Greetings, everybody. This is the person my parents named Gary, welcoming you to the LL Research Podcast in the now. We are at episode number 79. Um, LL Research is a nonprofit organization dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and, to some extent, fostering community. And towards this end, it has two websites, the archive website, llresearch.org, and the community website, bringforth.org. Um, during each of these podcasts, what we do is respond to questions sent to us from you, spiritual seekers. Our uh, panel consists of Bert, Ernie, and Grover, each <laughs> of us a devoted student of the Law of One, um, also known as Jim, Austin, and Gary, myself. Uh, your questions, what they do is give us a chance to riff and explore the Law of One and related matters, and um, hopefully offer some service to you. And we always want to make the caveat and disclaimer that um, this is just a, we see this as a resource that enhances your own seeking process. So please know that uh, whatever we have to say, we don't think that we're sharing anything that's ultimately definitive or final words on these subjects. These are um, topics that are explored for into infinity and for many lifetimes beyond by each of us. So exercise discernment. And if you'd like to send a show or a question. <laughs> or a show. Or, yeah, we have some shows to recommend. We're, we're all ears. Yeah, we could fill in some slots with other shows. <laughs> yeah. Our humble podcast relies on your questions and your shows. You may either send an email to contact at llresearch.org or go to the website, llresearch.org slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Gary, and um, we're embarking on uh, episode number 79. Jim and Austin, are you with us? Indeed. I think I am. Right. That should be enough to get us going. Uh, we got a series of questions from one Nick W. that were really outstanding, and um, he asked a question that we've kind of noted among ourselves before to some extent, and I thought it'd be good to explore this question as it ex explores the nature to some extent of our relationship and our relationship with this material and um, this podcast, too, a little bit. So Nick asked, do you guys ever disagree over the concepts of morality, spiritual living, etc., involved in the Law of One series? It may sound like a silly question, but I can't say I've ever heard you guys debate on the podcast. Uh, sometimes I'll notice each of you take a slightly different stance on certain subjects, but you seem to all be on the same page 100% of the time. To which I say, bravo. I'm not knocking that in any way. Uh, but if there are any subjects in which you guys know you're not all on the same page... I personally would be interested in hearing those perspectives and what discussions come from it. And I'm guessing I speak for at least a few others in saying that. So I think Nick wants to know about our private meetings at night where <laughs> we just rail against each other <laughs> and then put on our good face for the public. Um, yeah, the LL Research Fight Club. <laughs> first rule. Um, so... Instead of, what do you guys think, I'm going to throw this out there, instead of, um, in this case, I'm not suggesting a policy change, but in this case, for this episode, um, I pose a question, and then whoever wants to take it speaks up, and I won't get to my turn until the other person has also spoken, instead of me saying, Austin, what do you think? Jim, what do you think? Um, I disagree. <laughs> what have you done to us, Nick? <laughs> um, that sounds good to me. Uh, Jim? Jim. <laughs> uh, I have to figure out if I understand it. You're going to ask a question, then one of us is going to battle the other to see who answers? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking thumb wrestling, but battle is fine. Um, no, I, I meant um, uh, I'd throw something out there, and instead of me pointing to the next person to talk, somebody just speaks up. Oh, okay. Like that. Try to maybe make it a little bit more flowy. I like the battle idea. Conversational. Uh, our rap battle it is then, because we have only our words and microphones. Um, it's been a while since I listened to Eminem, though. So, um, Is what Nick's saying true? That we, that we don't debate and don't disagree. And, um, and why do you think there's... If, if that is true, why do you think there's such congruency between our thoughts? What do you guys think? 
I think that it is true. I think I, I can't remember any point in the past where we've explicitly disagreed on anything. <laughs> and I think that there are probably a few reasons. One of them is that we all sort of have the same spiritual backbone in the law of one that for the most part, everything that we conceptualize spiritually is coming from this material that is very internally consistent and that we draw upon equally consistently in our lives. And so when we address general spiritual questions and we rely on our own spiritual beliefs to answer them, we're sort of pulling on the same spiritual beliefs. And, you know, the law of one can get very specific about some things. That's not to say that it doesn't have a broader message too, but it has very specific uh, information. Ra gave very specific ideas about certain things. And so it's hard for us to necessarily disagree about something when there is such specific information that we pull upon and that we resonate with and that we have experienced in our own lives and thus believe for ourselves. And so I think that the law of one uh, probably helps our uh, harmony in that sense. And to uh, another point, I think, is that if we do disagree, it's typically going to be on an interpretation of the law of one, which we don't necessarily get into a whole lot on the podcast. We're not looking at certain passages and talking about how we specifically interpret those passages. I think if we did that, we'd probably find more disagreement and have more debate, but I don't think that's necessarily what we want the podcast to be. I don't think it would be a bad thing to do that at some points, but in general, I think that we just want to offer our own understanding in a more general spiritual sense. And to that degree, I think that we are just naturally on the same page. Like we are all drawn to the same material. We uh, work together, um, you know, pretty much every day and we have spiritual discussions and we sort of harmonize naturally. And I think it's just our nature to do so. I think you're right, Austin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Next. I knew it. <laughs> um, yeah. The material, material that we've been studying for so long now is material that does seem to have a coherence to it that once you get some of the primary features of the creation being made out of one entity, the creator, and that the purpose is the creator knowing itself, and then how each of us aids that knowing by whatever free will choices we make, uh, you can see that there's I don't know, kind of, for me, a, a combination of information that is sound and stable and reproducible. And yet, if you take it into your own life and attempt to apply it in a personal and practical way, then it seems like we each, of necessity, have to interpret these basic qualities and concepts in a manner that makes sense to us in the moment because each of us is unique and each moment we find ourselves moving through one kind of a consideration or another is also a factor that adds to the uniqueness of our experience. So the application of what we know, I think, might differ some from what we know. We might agree on what we think we know more likely than we would agree, perhaps, on how we would apply it. And I think that's probably a healthy thing. I think that's probably the uh, reason why free will is such a paramount concept that Ra uses and speaks of, and the Confederation has always spoken of as being most important in every seeker's life. So I would say yes and no. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure about that. <laughs> I don't know then whether I disagree or agree. <laughs> yeah, um, obviously, I, I agree with you guys. And um, 
I think it's a really salient point to point back to the material itself as the basis and the source. Like Jim said, the word coherence. Austin said the word internal cons- internal consistency. And I think uh, a lot of our own congruency and perspective stems from this um, <clears throat> really exquisite framework that Ra offers. And the framework is so utterly inclusive and um, universal, you know, so far as I can crack, and expansive, that um, really there's no, nothing conceptually that doesn't fit inside of it in some way without, um, without having to distort that which is being discussed, without having to manipulate or massage information. It's just the, um, the umbrella is as big as the universe itself. And like Jim described, um, free will is at the basis of this philosophy. So really any act that one entity can undertake can be fit into this system. And moreover, the positive polarity, which we three conceive that we are upon, um, seeks to respect the free will of all other selves. So that really opens up the moral strictures and confinement that other philosophies or other perspectives might have to work within. When you can see that there is no ultimately, according to Ra, no right or wrong, and that each portion of the creation at whatever density has this sacred duty and the sacred right to exercise their free will on their own journey of discovering the creator, then everything's in its rightful place, whatever our emotional um, rejection or reaction to, um, or rather, regardless of how much we may reject or react to something emotionally, we ultimately understand philosophically that that everything is unfolding as it should. Like Ra said, everything is appropriate for the seeker at that particular time. So that also creates a big container for congruency, I think, between our perspectives. Though um, contrast between perspectives can be very illuminating as well, but we don't go into this podcast intending to be on the same page, which brings me to my next uh, question to you too, everyone's to jump in first. How do you guys prepare for this show? Well, sometimes, um, depending upon the question, there might be a, a concept or two that I would want to look up in the raw contact. And uh, most of the time, though, I consider my own personal experience being rather aged. I've had a number of experiences, and I can <laughs> call upon some of them in my past to give me um, a footwork or a foothold, as Don would say, into the area that we're discussing for the podcast that day. So um, I kind of like more and more to do what Carla did, you know, and that's what I think our uh, recent uh, tendency towards is uh, riffing on an idea, just kind of um, getting a hold of it, planting a seed, and then taking off and seeing what comes. Because I think that each of us does have um, either an intellectual understanding or an experiential understanding or both of a lot of the concepts that people are questioning us about, our, our listeners. Uh, you know, we're all together on this path of seeking, and we all have pretty much similar experiences and, and questions, and we can share that um, quality of um, a shared journey, of a, a same type of um, questing, of um, problems that come our way, of idiosyncrasies that come our way, and just reaffirm our our blended bond that has brought us together into this incarnation. So, you know, I like to do a little research, mostly um, to riff and to call upon experience. When do you begin that process of consideration? <laughs> well, 
since the question uh, was sent out after I went to bed, it started <laughs> this morning. <laughs> but it didn't really, this is one, you know, that this particular uh, direction that we're going involves a whole lot more personal experience. So it's not something I had to look into ter too terribly much. Uh, but most of the time I look into it a little bit the night before and then uh, maybe an hour or two before the show consider some points again and then use those considerations as the seeds as I was speaking about that hopefully will grow into some fragrant flowers to share with my friends. That <laughs> lateness of the question sending I think could might be attributable to a certain someone who's not Austin or Jim uh, having gone to an Elton John farewell concert in Louisville a couple nights before and uh, being behind in that task. But um, I, I wanted to direct it to you, Austin, but then <laughs> coming against the design. Um, I basically start thinking about things uh, as soon as the question is, or the, the topics or questions are sent out, basically. Uh, either whether I'm sending them out or um, either of you. And typically I get, I guess, a little bit of a head start because um, in general, uh, especially with Jim, I'll send like a few questions and suggestions of topics that uh, people have sent in and um, that will put them on my mind. But once the question's out, I'll typically have it pass through my mind for the rest of the the night, we typically send out questions like the uh, afternoon or evening before the show. And so it'll sort of be on my mind and I will, in my meditation and contemplation that evening, um, go through it. And then come the next morning, if I have any quotes I want to collect or any prepared things I want to prepare, I will... Um, get those ready. In the past, I used to write out answers to questions a lot, and I've tried to get more and more away from that so it doesn't sound as stilted or as prepared, and to practice allowing myself to flow a little bit more. And so these days, I will maybe write some bullet points and do my best to touch on all the bullet points. But for the most part, I try to wing it and try to uh, answer from the heart. And that, I think, um, has worked out better and better as time goes on. I still find myself stumbling and losing my train of thought. But... That's generally how I prepare, unless I'm hosting, and then I concentrate a lot less on responses or um, explaining my viewpoints, and more on trying to figure out what sort of questions would make a good discussion, and how to draw the best out of uh, you two, instead of um, having the focus be on my own point of view. Even though I'll still give it if I'm hosting the show, uh, I will concentrate more on how to generate a good discussion versus how to offer a good discussion. Do you guys ever go through the program and then afterwards say, damn, I wish I would have said that thing that I didn't say? <laughs> Not usually. <laughs> Plenty of chance to talk on the program. I mean, yeah, that's, it's a habit that I've grown out of in life because I think that that sort of thinking in my previous, in, in my life, uh, up to a certain point, it was present in every conversation and every interaction and everything that I ever did was I would look back on it and be like, I should have done it this way. I should have said this. I should have done that. And um, it's uh, I've managed to get away from that sort of obsession. So sometimes I'll like be thinking about a topic after the show and realize there's more to say, but I don't, uh, I don't fret about it a lot. I... Fine. Once in a while, I'll say something that I realize I wasn't so representative of my actual thoughts. And for some reason, that seems important in my head. Like, I wish I would have said that. Like, we were talking about meditation in the last one. I said, I wish you asked, Austin, what were the benefits to each of us? And I wish I would have said the sense of freedom that comes with it. And I didn't say that. I said relief <laughs> instead. But that's also why I've never gone back to listen to a podcast because I would just be critically reviewing uh, my contribution to that. 
uh, as to the question of preparation, uh, like Austin was saying, the question goes out the day, the afternoon or evening before. And typically for me, I just, my mind is so full of stuff that I don't begin thinking about it until the next morning, though I appreciate this format. And this podcast has been one thing that has taught me the value of kind of what's the word I'm like apportioning out an amount of time to think about something and creating the space to think about something for so for often for me that'll be the car ride in and I'll say okay I'm gonna think about the question on the way in and it's like a little uh, productive mm, mental work studio laboratory where just spending time with the question, thinking about it, holding it, uh, letting my mind roam, I find that material suddenly begins to generate itself, often to my surprise, where before I felt there have been many podcasts where I feel that, uh, what am I going to say? I don't know that I have anything to contribute, but you just harness that attention and place the attention on just like you give your attention a task you say okay here, point it at the question here's the question think about it and then i think it, it may be a form of uh channeling actually tapping into something deeper and uh like you guys are like austin the morning of i start doing some research and i'm trying to move away from writing out answers but to me, it's a. I need a balance. I definitely need to do some research and and then balance that against the flow. But and I wanted to say back to our congruency. I think the basis of that, so much of that, is rooted in the material. But you guys also mentioned personal dynamics between us, and I think that's really important too. We have uh, worked together for some years now, and uh, we see each other throughout the week. And um, we have a lot of open-heartedness and harmony between us. So I think that makes of us something of a group mind, maybe even on the baby steps of the social memory complex, um, in that um, when each of us comes to the stage of this podcast, answering a common question, then we're all maybe tapping into that group mind, but from a unique vantage point and unique perspective. And I think, I was trying to think back of, or trying to scan the philosophy itself in my mind and say, is there anything that we really disagree on? And I couldn't come up with much. Like Jim was saying, I think where we disagree, when disagreement does arise, it's in the application to life, or it's really in interpersonal dynamics um, that you know every human has to contend with, including you know where boundaries are and how do we relate to one another and how do we work through this misunderstanding and and how do we learn the lessons of love with one another. But I would say, like we can use an example of when we were trying to edit the raw contact. And most of that is punctuation, which relies a lot on interpretation. There was a lot of discussion and disagreement in that arena. We almost always, except for maybe in a few instances, came out the other side in a general agreement on how to do things. But um, it was a sort of a, an arduous process, if that's the right word. Um, it... Um, it was difficult, and our interpretations came into conflict a lot in that process. And it took a decent amount of work to harmonize our ideas and to explain ourselves with trying to let go of our attachment to our personal interpretations. Yeah, and to heal the black eye that I got during that process, it was <laughs> really scrappy. So, you guys have any more thoughts on Nick's question? Don't believe so. Um, I wanted to talk about a short point on preparation, mm -hmm. and it also relates to why we might agree, is that we also tune before the show together. Uh, we yeah. will, um, about 10, 15 minutes before we get ready for the show, we go into the living room, and um, Jim says, you guys ready to do some tuning? <laughs> and... Uh, 
we meditate for about 10 to 15 minutes maybe and then jim says the prayer of saint francis and then we all say the lord's prayer and then jim says break a leg (laughs) and um that ritual i think is very useful for putting us all in a similar mindset And during that time, I really concentrate on trying to let go of all of the busyness and the uh, the personal and organizational stuff going on at work and through LL Research and concentrate on just trying to offer this as a service. I think that's a really important point. The tuning... I think some that congruency is already there, but that tuning really refines that one pointing. Just like tuning an instrument. I mean, you can pick up the instrument and play it at any time that you wanted to, but it, you have to tweak those strings a little bit to get them into the right pitch. And that ritual is really important. All right, well, what's our time? <laughs> um, we're at about 26 and a half minutes. Really? Wow, we spent most of the time on... All right, well, we'll ask a few reflective questions about LL Research and cap it there. Uh, Nick also asked, and this would be one for Jim. This would be a quick and easy one. He said, how did you come up with the name for LL Research? What does the LL mean? I'm guessing light, love, love, light? Yeah, back in the uh, early days when Don was conducting his experiment with his uh, physics students from the University of Louisville Speed Scientific School, the initial contacts that came through from the Confederation of Planets and the service of the Infinite Creator always mentioned that the creation that we lived in was the thought of the one creator that had utilized the concepts of love, the power of love, to focus uh, energies of the free will desire of the creator and create the universe out of light. So it looked like love and light were primary qualities that we're going to be a part of the work that Don and Carla would do together. So eventually, after the Louisville group uh, transitioned through uh, the uh, LL company and then uh, became L&L Research, uh, always the LL stood for love and light. And by the way, L&L Research will be 50 years old next month. Wow. Half a century. <laughs> um a little anecdote, Jim's truck that sits in the driveway is the license plate that says L-A-N-D-L. And I lived here for about two years <laughs> thinking, what in the world is Landl? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then w- just one day I was walking in and I was like, oh, L and L, okay. <laughs> yeah, that I've, it took me a while too when I got to Louisville. I, I don't know why. Um, yeah, Jim mentioned L&L Company, and Don and Carla named it that for the first two years, I think, of right. their effort. Yeah, yeah, and it became LL Research. <clears throat> so, quickly, too, about our congruency on this podcast. I, a point that wasn't mentioned, and that's that we, none, of the, none of us compare notes in advance so like i don't know what austin or jim are going to say until we get into this show and uh vice versa so it just all happens on its own so what do you guys see ll what do you what do you see is the role and service of ll research in this world well on the uh, newsletter that we've been putting out since 1982 uh, we have on the masthead up there, LNL Research is dedicated to uh, discovering and sharing information that might be of service to those entities desiring to know about their mind, body, and spirit evolution. Basically, that's, it. that's a paraphrase. So we just want to share the information that we've gotten over years of channeling uh, with anybody who's interested in it. And it was always Don's great dream to share this information uh, worldwide for free. And fortunately, the Internet... And uh, Gary and Austin in the office doing the great job of getting the word out has allowed us to do just that. Every bit of information we've ever produced at LNL Research is available for free at our archive website in the form of a PDF download. 
Yeah, I think that the greatest distillation of what LR Research does is creating an opportunity and a potential for seekers who might find use and resonate with the Confederation's message as it is shared through the instruments at LL Research, creating the greatest potential for them to find it and helping them explore it, helping them understand it, but for the most part just making sure that it is there for them to find and make sure that I try to maximize that opportunity for them to find it and do our best to do all that without... Uh, acting authoritatively without proselytizing or evangelizing or promoting dogma, um, doing our best, uh, though we may flounder and stumble sometimes, doing our best to do all that without inserting um, a sense of, of dogma or e proselytization in the process. So I think that is the greatest distillation. And so we do that through a lot of different ways. Almost all of our services that we perform are centered around that idea, primarily being things like um, translation efforts, thanks to incredible volunteers all around the world who take it upon themselves to do for free and massive translation effort for the most part. If you think about what exactly it takes to translate the raw contact information. Hmm. Like, just think about how difficult it is to take that difficult language, dense language that is already hard for a native English speaking person to understand and turn that into another language. Like, that is uh, something that is beyond my comprehension, really. And yet, still, volunteers pop up all the time and, um, and, volunteer to translate it and other books that we publish and other material the transcripts there's tons of languages and um where are we at now 12 languages yeah 12 or 13 12 12 or 13 languages that a lot of research material has been published in and you know each time something is published in a new language that's an entire segment of humanity an entire other culture that the material becomes available to and so things like that, and we have a prison ministry program. Uh, we respond to emails from people who are seeking information or trying to understand information or really just need some spiritual guidance or help. And uh, it's all sort of centered around helping people who resonate with this information find it and understand it. Well said on both your parts. To add to it, I, in addition to what you guys have said, I see LL Research as serving as a beachhead for the Confederation's efforts on this planet. Not the only one, of course, but if you're not familiar with the term beachhead, um, so far as I know, it's used only in wartime situations, but <laughs> maybe it has other applications. I'm hesitant to invoke that context. But in a wartime situation when one um, army is uh, assaulting the enemy's territory in an amphibious way, they establish uh, a, if they can get onto the beach, say, um, onto that enemy's territory, and they establish. <laughs> Your analogy's falling apart. <laughs> no, I realize how badly this can be misconstrued. <laughs> Uh, it's totally not the Confederation's orientation to this planet, um, but it still works. It really does. So you establish a, um, a fortification on the beach. You get a presence. You get a toehold in, and from that beachhead, you can expand outward into the territory you're seeking to win or so forth. Um, I'm sure beachhead has more benign connotations. Well, how about beach party? Be <laughs> and then we spread the party around the world. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like beach party. Uh, I think maybe looking at beachhead, I don't think it has to be militaristic. I think, let's say there's just a difficult terrain, a difficult um, environment to sustain a, a party or <laughs> either a beach party or like a group of individuals and you find one good area to establish a foothold like you're saying in order to then further explore or um, go out and 
discover the land that you're trying to discover. Or even, let's say that there are people in that land that need help, but it's a difficult terrain to um, get across. And so you find one good place to land and you set up camp there. And from that camp, you go out and find the people that need help. Thank you. I hope you will have stopped somebody from quoting me and saying, <laughs> see, this is what the ETs are here to do. Yeah, foothold is a great uh, synonym, and it implies some kind of disparity or gulf between party A and party B. And in the case of... Uh, whether that's mountainous terrain or an ocean, the the beachhead or the foothold allows you to land onto that distant land and then secure a presence there. So I see LL Research as holding that light for the Confederation message. They obviously, they feel the call of service uh, very acutely. They seem to have a grasp on it and want to offer service. And they do so through various means that are way outside of LL Research, of course. But one of those is through vocal channels. Channeling. So they have established a very, um, a fairly rooted presence here on Earth that can receive their message and uh, share it, as Austin was saying, in a dispassionate and non-proselytizing uh, way with the interested seeker. So it is a, a foothold through which it can radiate out to wherever it needs to go and, and whoever uh, needs it. And with the caveat that this would not be the only channel through which they communicate and which could be considered a beachhead. Right. Yeah, LL Research has no patent on on these sources. Um, um, Hatan or Latui and Raz, a a different ballpark altogether, requires very specific circumstances, which they said they didn't anticipate seeing again, but who knows, we'd be rooting for it if it did happen again. (laughs) Um, But... Yeah, any um, with the right training and right protocols, uh, the one could, uh, other groups rather, could channel uh, Hatan and Latwi and uh, whoever Ra said you know it was comprised of I don't know, 53 planetary civilizations or something. So who and there have been uh, quite a few that have appeared in the LL transcripts over the years. So who knows how many are in that ensemble of characters that we you know we've never even heard from. Virtually all channels that I've heard that channel what we can consider alien or ET or outer sources. Um, those sources claim to be part of the Confederation or some arrangement of words that would be very similar to the Confederation. And so even beyond just the sources that have come through LR research, I think most uh, channels and instruments would understand their sources as being part of that Confederation. Yeah. And and a quick reflection on the nature of the message itself in contrast to the nature of this particular planetary environment. And it's, it's like a voice in a dream where most of the residents of the dream are dreaming awake, uh, to some extent asleep, lost, um, and which is as it should be. I don't speak judgmentally. And this particular message from the Confederation is a a voice of wakening up, of reminding these dreamers about who they really are. You know, that you're human too, and you're having this human experience, and it is important, but this human experience offers you this potential to evolve and to find the creator. And the true context isn't... um, isn't your culture, it isn't your nationality, it isn't your gender, it isn't uh, your morality or your actions uh, per se, that that all factors into identity, your identity. But the true context is the universe, and it is infinity, and it is spiritual evolution. And I remember I was talking with a, a new friend we made, Kyle, about that, ex- that elation of discovery upon hearing the law of, or reading the law of one for the first time which in Jin's case would be hearing the law of one for the first time, and how um, it radically opened up the container of my mind to re-envision the universe itself. So many things could be named, including um, the fact that the, like our local sun isn't this just strictly this ball of nuclear fission that's heating the planet and sending out electromagnetic waves, but is our local 
creator and designer and this intelligent vastly intelligent being that we have this relationship with and that we have we are the same uh in a sense we are uh, uh also logoic in our uh, truer natures and i remember one more quick point i remember reading about the value and function of dreams that even when our consciousness shuts off, our soul, shall we say, is symbolically communicating to us. And these are these tools that are happening every night, for the most part, that are uh, assisting our own evolution. And it's just like I radically reconceived all of life. And these Confederation sources are trying to anybody who's interested in listening to remind um, seekers on this planet of what's actually happening and and the potentials therein any further thoughts on ll's role and service not for me not for me and quickly let me add to that like the confederation ll is always seeking to respond um you know not approaching the world with an agenda per se, uh, but rather responding to where there is a call and where there is a need. This is why we love questions so much for the podcast is uh, rather than coming to this podcast with stuff we want to talk about, we really love to respond to whatever it is you want to know or ask about. So uh, to conclude, what do you guys most love about this thing we call LL Research? I love the inclusiveness of people from all over the world that have been able to find this material resonates with the heart of their being. And they, uh, they can come from any walk of life, any uh, economic strata. They can be from um, any part of this world, any part of this country, and still feel uh, a harmony with the material and the other people that like this material. We find this at homecoming every year when people come from all over the country and a few of them from around the world to sit and share their own spiritual journeys with other folks and to realize that they are so much alike, even though in appearance or in upbringing or in education or in um, what their jobs might be, they are completely different. They still, in their hearts, have this quality of seeking and searching that gives their life meaning. And they see everything else in their life as being something that gives them an opportunity to pursue this journey. And it is just so exciting to continue to find these people. And what, most of all, what has gotten me uh, excited is the, the quality of the people that we get. I mean, the volunteers especially, but just anybody who reads the material and writes in. I have found throughout the years, and Carla found this too, that the, uh, the level of intellectual understanding and open-heartedness and spiritual maturity is so uh, advanced among these people, in our humble estimation, at least comparing it to us, <laughs> uh, that it just is so inspiring to be able to meet these people, whether it's via email or in person or in the various social media. And, it, you know, it's a family, and it's growing. And there are so many people that are uh, now identifying with LNL Research that, uh, well, I've lost count. I mean, I, I heard that the Law of One Forum has over 8,000 people in it? Uh, Law of One study group on Facebook. Yeah. Well, that's just uh, mind-blowing for me. So, yeah, it's so many people, seemingly so different, and yet alike in their hearts. That's actually small potatoes compared to the Instagram that <laughs> our friend um, Lonnie has... Uh, managed to cultivate. Let me check the current um, follower count. Is that a uh, hundred and fifty-one thousand? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, that blew uh, that one away. <laughs> That's just astounding. Yeah, and it's exciting. And, and to be fair, I think that a small part of that might be to do with the fact that he finds incredible imagery to pair with. Um, quotes that he finds. Uh, but I say small because the quotes that he finds on the Instagram page are just 
incredible like i don't know how he gets these amazing gems and all of the posts have a lot of interaction discussing the quotes and he's always very responsive and he's very open-hearted and he's just a really amazing uh, individual um if you want to take a look at that it is uh instagram at the law of one with underscores between each word um check it out it's great um, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> what do you most love about LL Research? Oh, the Instagram page. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's hard to uh, say anything different from Jim because that is really my own um, love of what we do and what LL Research is. Is really, I'd say, the law of one and the messages that get shared in general, the effect that it can have on people's lives. If, I've experienced it in my own life, but just the the things that are shared um, as best we can without pretense or personality or um, authority uh, have transformative powers on people. And I see my own experience mirrored in so many people that contact us, um, just feeling lost and sort of despairing about a lack of understanding of myself and the people around me and the world around me and finding this material and just all of these puzzle pieces in like this miraculous single swoop fall into place. It offers this sense of relief that allows love to flow through the people who find it. They are able to better understand themselves, better understand the people around them, and try harder to um, offer love to whatever they are experiencing. And I think everybody will flounder in that area. We do, and uh, I think the most enlightened beings on this planet probably fail at... Um, really reaching that standpoint of offering love to everywhere. But to even like get a foothold into that idea, I think is what the law of one and the information did for me and does for other people. And I see this especially in say the prison ministry program that we have where um, incarcerated seekers can write in and request books for free and we'll send out free books. And also we have volunteers, amazing volunteers. Again, um, I guess that should also be at the top of what I love about LL Research is the volunteers. Um, volunteers who will correspond with them. And in reading some of these messages from seekers who are incarcerated and who the material has a similar effect on them as it did on me and other seekers who write in, where it is um, a profound internal um, clicking of uh, viewing life in a completely different light that uh, is empowering they're in this environment that I would consider one of the most negative environments you can be in on earth. It, I think that I am a weak person because I don't think I would survive <laughs> a day in prison. Um, it is just, uh, it seems so dehumanizing and difficult and um, hearing, reading about the prison system and hearing testimony from uh, incarcerated people, it really encourages service to self-thinking in the most deepest sense. Like it is sort of like this um, arena where if you don't operate from a service to self standpoint, you are in grave danger. And if you're good at service to self and manipulating and overpowering people, you'll have you know, the best experience that is possible to have in prison, which is still not great. But these people, these seekers, nevertheless grasp this light that um, they find within the material, and they still want to find a way to serve others where they are and find a way to use the time that they have where they are to further their spiritual growth. And some of them even start looking at their time uh, in prison as a gift, as something that they can use as a, a great catalyst to further their spiritual growth. They think, oh, look at all this time I have to meditate. Or um, uh, there was one recently who said that uh, 
he has dedicated himself to helping other inmates fill out parole forms because there's like a low literacy rate. And um, he's sort of like now the go-to person for these people who are having trouble with parole things. Uh, he offers himself to them and that's a service that he can offer others where he is and he finds a lot of fulfillment in that and he was inspired to do that through reading the material that um that we share and that's just i think this is a long way to say that it's really just the effect <laughs> material has on people that um i really love the most we don't do the type of editing on this show where we switch around segments, but I think you should take what you just said and <laughs> close the show with that. It's really <laughs> beautiful. Thank you. Uh, especially the um, <clears throat> seeing this in application in, in the prison environment, <clears throat> which is, I want to riff on that for a, a second. I was describing when we were talking about LL service and its role and how we're holding the space for this confederation message, which is reminding seekers about who they are and the divine nature of this experience. And so much of that can also be captured in the word catalyst. The The confederation um, is one of, I think, the most empowering words in all of the law of one philosophy because it reorients the entire perspective on life. No matter what is happening to you, it is fuel or can be if consciously used, fuel for one's spiritual growth. And what, how many environments are as extreme, as Austin was describing, as the prison environment, to have that reorientation and, and to experience um, the inherent power within one's own will and faith to make use of the environment to polarize, even a very inherently negative environment like, uh, like a prison system. So... And tying that into what I love about LL Research, you guys um, said so much and so well that I, and I'm really glad Austin said hearing about Seeker's experiences because being a positively oriented entity, you just feel good when you see suffering alleviated in someone else, or however it happened, and whether or not you're even connected to it, just the discovery of love, the being empowered, the, the rescuing of the vision from hopelessness or despair. But being able to be a part of that and holding this light uh, is very personally fulfilling and of course, the material itself, as I've described uh, before, this is such a troubled and often brutal world that if I didn't have the perspective of the law of one, that uh, I think I really might lose my way here on this planet. I would drown in the waters of this third density um, but fortunately, the law of one gives me the perspective that allows me to navigate this world or respond to it or remember that I'm here to serve others, to radiate, to love, however I may be treated or however other people may be treating one another. And um, the biggest thing that I love about our research is <laughs> I agree with Jim and Austin, couldn't agree more. <laughs> and it's, it's obviously the people, um, I'm really glad Jim said high quality because I, we are again and again in such admiration of the people we cross paths with. And this isn't, you know, for the podcast. Um, we privately will uh, reflect on how beautiful th this particular person is or how much we admire this strength that this person has. We have no end to the the way that the creator is reflected in diversity and we get to cross paths with some of uh, the most outrageously um, great people. And like Jim was saying, there's like, is hap like happens with this podcast. There's al already so much like a, of an automatic harmonization and congruency for the most part. I mean, there's ex 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 yeah, exceptions to that rule, but um, we find this sense of shared purpose, shared meaning, shared vision to some extent, uh, to, or to very core extent, I should say, very fundamental extent. And when you have that in place, then the heart is stays open a little bit more efficiently. Energy flows more efficiently. And you can do the thing that you're here to do, and that's um, that you get to merge with other people. You get to share life 
with other people. So much of our pain and misery and separate, or so much of our pain and misery on this planet is simply due to isolation, being cut off from one another. And it's through others in the open heart that we discover that we're not cut off and that the creator exists within us and between us and all around us. So LL research is um, it's an opportunity in that regard that will take me lifetimes and thousands of years to understand why I personally get to be here. Um, yeah, I think, do you guys have anything else to offer? As far as the questions go, I think that's it. The food's pretty good at the workshops. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, is a big draw. It's usually number three on people's list about what they <laughs> most love about it. Um, and to give a shout out to Trisha Bean for that because she uh, single-handedly responsible. Here, here. Yes. Past seven years, six years. So thank you. Uh, I'll turn it over to you, Jim, for final closing thoughts. But um, thank you to um, all who participate. Sorry. I'm rolling up my sleeve and paying more attention to that than what's coming out of my mouth. Uh, we're on a podcast right now, Gary. <laughs> And we're just ending our podcast, <laughs> and it is such a joy to be with you all while we're able to talk to you and feel with you the uh, seeking that you have, the desire to know more as we desire to know more. Uh, we hope that you will remember that your questions are always treasured by us. We look forward to getting any question you have to send. Uh, we appreciate the love that you send with every question, the love that you send with just paying attention to what we say. We send our love right back to you. As Carla would say, back at you. And we want you to know that uh, when you're on the street and you're seeing somebody for the first time, try not to see anybody as strangers. Try maybe to give a little smile here and there and spread some of that love you feel in your heart. You'd be surprised what a smile can do. It can all help to bring each other home. Till two weeks from now, hopefully, we shall see you again. And thank you to everybody who participates in this wavelength that we call LL Research on whatever level, whether you have donated, whether you've sent in, um, donated rather your time, energy, uh, or sent in an email, or are just seeking to do the same thing that we're all here to do, and that's lighten the planetary vibration. We are all in this together and all on the same boat and um, we are enriched immeasurably whether we have met you or not by your existence on this planet. And you've been listening to LL Research's bi-weekly podcast, In the Now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our website, llresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thanks so much for listening, for supporting this podcast with your questions, and a special thank you to Nick for his great questions today. If you'd like to hear us ramble on about a particular topic, please read the instructions on our page at llresearch.org slash podcast. Uh, new episodes are published to the archive website with sincere intention, though not always uh, executed. Wednesday afternoon, uh, every other week. Have a couple wonderful weeks, and we'll talk to you next time.